The Aldis Podcast is brought to you by Aldis International, supplying your expert AI and digital transformation staffing needs across the US and Europe. Today, you are listening to our ServiceNow series, where we interview the best and brightest of the industry to share their story, advice, and views on the exciting world of ServiceNow and digital transformation. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Aldous Podcast. I'm your host, Ben Sparks, and today we are lucky to host Andrea Castillo, uh, ServiceNow Practice Director for SecOps at Iceberg Networks. Hymetric Andrea is a uh, risk and security guru, uh, but she brings a wealth of knowledge and experience around business process improvement, project management, as well as being a subject matter expert in uh, overall service management initiatives. Andrea will tell us more. She has a fun background, actually being from journalism. And in today's conversation, Andrea's going to talk about a really a topic that probably is uh, quite prevalent for everyone at the moment, which is how digitization is and can have a positive impact on mental health with a real kind of focus on fatigue and how platforms as such as ServiceNow are helping the SecOps uh, and GRC space in general, but also when it comes to mental health. So I'm excited to talk about this one. Andrea, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks, Ben. Um, That's literally the first time I've been called a guru in my life, so I'll I'll remember this. Um, Not the last, I'm sure. Cool. So let's start off with Iceberg High Metric, obviously names that are probably on people's uh, radars, but we'd love to know more about, about those organizations. So yeah, Iceberg, I think, are, are kind of unique in, in the ServiceNow ecosystem, and it, it's really one of the, the reasons I, I chose to join Iceberg um, fairly recently is um, they're a boutique firm who, who focused really closely on, on digital risk, operational resilience, third-party risk, cyber risk, so, so big topics um, that are really board-level issues, and, and they specialize in executive alignment and advisory around those spaces, and obviously um, also very big fans of ServiceNow and the platform and how it's an enterprise tool that can be used to revolutionize almost your cyber and operational resiliency programs by giving that common enterprise platform and, and core data. So that's really the space Iceberg play in. And interestingly, a few years ago, I was a platform owner and Iceberg were my implementation partners um, that helped us implement um, GRC and SecOps for a global um, manufacturing organization. So I go back a bit with Iceberg and I'm happy to be here. And also, so recently, Iceberg was brought in under the umbrella of the high metric group of companies. And we're excited about that. Uh, They also brought together Fishbone, which is a ServiceNow organization in Western Canada, and New Rocket, who specialize in in user experience. So all these companies coming together are, are allowed us to offer deep industry expertise as well as deep service now expertise across the entire platform. Fantastic. And I know you have a, a, a large network, but for the people that don't know you, could you offer us some insight into your current role as practice director and some of the responsibilities you hold there? Sure, yeah. So I'm focusing really closely right now on, on supporting customers who are experiencing challenges with their growing digital and cyber risk programs. And so that's my mandate. So it really, it's an area, like I mentioned, growing because prior to the organizations were struggling here and and their challenges are only growing. So what we try to do is help our customers um, get quick time to value. So how do you get an interesting three-month project that you're going to implement and you're going to significantly address some of your organizational risk posture and improve it? And then we also help customers dream big. So what can they accomplish in the next two to three-year window? So helping them define that, put together business cases and and I love it. Love talking to customers about this journey. 
Awesome. So how digitization is and can have an impact on on mental health, right? Obviously, we have a focus on SecUp. It's quite a meaty topic, but I think it's really brave of you to be able to bring this one to the forefront. And it's definitely different than what we've had previously. Why is it so important to you? And, and I'm thinking specifically from a SecOps GRC perspective. And maybe can you give us some I don't know, overviews of what you're seeing or what you felt and what made this such a, a poignant topic for you to talk about? Sure. I just mentioned the last thing. Customers are seeing real challenges and it's causing burnout. So I think we'll talk about that a little bit later. But right now, let's talk about on the the two sides that you mentioned. So on on the governance risk and and compliance side, there's increasing regulatory burdens on customers. So they're they're being asked to comply with regulations differing depending on what country you're in globally. But things like GDPR and, and PCI and HIPAA and SOX, these are all things that they need to comply with to really operate in the industries that they're operating in. And along with that, a lot of customers want to show due diligence. They want to show that they're aligning with industry best practices. So again, you're bringing in a whole bunch more potential frameworks they need to align with NIST 800-53 or ISO 27001 or SIS 18 and information security specific there. But but that's some of the examples of what what they're faced with and and how do they manage these massive programs and collect the data that they need to collect. And I can even get go a little further and talk about ESG, which is becoming increasingly big. So environmental mental, social, and governance. That's, again, things like how our organization is complying with zero emissions targets and diversity targets. So it's a really large conversation, and they need to do that in order to, to see investment in their companies. So this is a big topic for them, and, and, and they're struggling. And then on the cyber resiliency side, we just need to pick up the newspaper every day, and, and we'll see where some of the struggles are. Customers, are they need to get better at the basics. We're having challenges with data breaches, as we see a lot of the time they're due to vulnerabilities they haven't you know, patched and, and they're not working from common tool sets, security and IT teams. So they're struggling to work together better because we, as we know, security is a shared responsibility across organizations, but we've got a specialized team that owns it and is trying to manage it and they may not have the tools they need to do that. So talk to me about Cheaper by the Dozen. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So this is, I'm, I'm really excited that you're giving me the opportunity to talk about this. It's really important to me as almost as a person and it's why I'm passionate about what I do. So when I was a child, I read everything I could get my hands on. And one day I stumbled on a book called Cheaper by the Dozen. It's different from the movie some folks may know of um, from later on in the 90s. It's significantly different. So it's really about a family in the 1920s who had parents that were pioneers in, in the efficiency movement, so time motion studies. And that was really related to industrialization and, and factories and helping improve the way work happened there. But this couple named John and Lillian Gilbreth, they applied those studies to their family. So they had 12 children, cheaper by the dozen, and they they did things like help their kids be more efficient at routine tasks they had to do, like brushing their teeth or getting their clothes on in the morning. Mm-hmm. And the whole concept behind that was to help their kids do the routine work quicker so they could free up time to do more creative things and more fun things and enjoy more time as a family. So it was a really interesting book for me. It was funny. So I recommend it to folks. But bigger than that, I grew up on a really large dairy farm and I firsthand saw how work changed over a period in that industry. So initially really heavy physically demanding work. And as technology came in and better processes came in, you could see how farmers could start to focus more on productivity gains and optimize genetics and all sorts of things that they could do to improve productivity. And so I think that really led to the fact that we've got less than 2% of our population today 
that are farming, but they're supporting massive cities and, and really underpins a lot of the growth of urbanization and allowing us to focus on knowledge workers, for example. So, so I saw that firsthand. Amazing. No, it's very fun and, and I'm sure people weren't expecting us to go down a, a book review there as well. <laughs> Obviously, look, I know ahead of the time of this podcast, you, you've put a lot of time in, in, into researching the area of kind of mental health. Talk, talk to me about some of the findings you've had when you've looked at specifically time and motion and, and fatigue studies. Yeah, so I found I found it really interesting to look at. So let's like, where did that start? So we're always talking about efficiency. And when we talk about the ServiceNow platform, again, we're talking about making workflow better and, and removing non-value added work and automating things that we can automate. Where did that really start? Interestingly, the person I just referenced in by the bookkeeper by the dozen, John um, Gilbreth, did started was a pioneer in that space, starting with bricklaying. So really simple analogy that I think we can get our heads around is bricklayers um, 100, a little over 100 years ago would typically have a pile of bricks on the ground and as they're building a wall or building a house they'd be bending over picking up the brick laying it and he found that half of their work was doing that it was wasting time and wasting effort and so he looked at the building bringing a tool in to have the bricks at the right levels they didn't have to bend over and the result was they could lay double the bricks with less fatigue than they previously experienced so that was a start almost of what we're seeing in in you know automation. So what what he said from that is, you know what, we're when we are asking our work, workers to do work they don't need to do, we're we're contributing to fatigue. And he saw fatigue as a real enemy. So when you're when you have a fatigued worker, they enjoy work less. They enjoy the hours spent outside of work less as well and, and they can do less work. And so I think today we'd call that burnout. You are listening to the oldest podcast. When you're looking to scale your team, or if you are interested in showcasing your company in a future episode, reach out today. Or if you're in the market for a new role, visit our website to view open positions, www.aldis.com. Looking at this from a SecOps perspective, and, and you touched on digitization and workflows there, but can you talk to us about some of the, maybe some of the real-time issues that you've seen or you have seen in your customers? I know you'd be very front and center when it comes to talking to organizations about this. Talk to me about what you've been seeing and, and hearing out there from a SecOps perspective. Yeah, for sure. So basically, to start, obviously, we all agree that employees are our greatest asset. We say that all the time. But when we say that, are we asking them to expend energy and do unnecessary work or work that they don't like to do because we haven't really invested in giving them the right tools that they need, just like the bricklayers 100 years ago? Are we developing the most effective processes that we can? Or are we hearing that they're doing work that just doesn't make sense because the process is broken? And, and really, when we do that, we're creating waste which is obviously a loss to the company, but a lot bigger than that. It, it's a loss um, to the employees. So when they feel like they're doing work that isn't meaningful, that really is the number one cause of burnout. I think we all know that when we get really passionate about a task we're doing or something we're doing, we don't experience burnout in the same way. And we're willing to invest a lot more in it and, and be more creative and, and work on, on when we're working on things that we find meaningful and challenging. So I think that's what we're seeing a lot in the, the security space right now. There is a severe shortage of talent. So workers can go anywhere they want to go. Really, there's a lot of open positions and not enough people to fill them. So when companies actually manage to successfully attract some of these highly skilled, you know, security folks, they're often getting them to do work that's really routine. So we'll see things like, you know what, you're going to spend all day every day investigating user reported phishing or malware attacks. 
and just keep doing that over and over again. It, and it just keeps coming at them and it, it creates a lot of stress and burnout. And then there's swivel sharing in between systems. So they have on average 20 system, let's say, to, to log into and look at, wow. to gather data, to do their job. Yeah, and they're swivel chairing, right? They're like, oh, put this information here and take it here and send an email to IT when you need them to do something. So I think building kind of effective workflows, I'm tying it to meaning. So when you're doing that, you're giving folks a sense of meaning in their work. They're able to be freed up to do things that they like doing. Yeah, no, I'm just visualizing that it probably feels exhausting, especially that kind of back and forth and some of the maybe the the, the the mundane side of it as well, which I'm sure people always need to do. But I suppose it's what can you do to take away such a, a large portion of that so they can focus on the areas that maybe they can get into flow with a little bit more and, and probably even work just as hard, but on, on tasks they feel are more meaningful. If, if you were, and I'm, I'm sure you actually even do this, coaching a, a CISO or an executive stakeholder about how to approach this from a digital transformation perspective, what would be your kind of key nuggets of advice? Yeah, but you just said I was thinking about flow. Like I, I just it just popped in my head. Like we always say when we get into a flow, like that's a really positive thing. So I'm I'm gonna think about that a little more with the workflows and yeah. But yeah, so I think the same thing when we're coaching a CISO or executive stakeholder, it really is digital tr transformation really is about it's not like a strategy that you're gonna push down to your organizations. I know we do that a lot and we spend a lot of time on on pushing ideas down to folks doing the work, but I'm more of, of the mind that we should really just ask them. Let's talk to our employees about what they're doing that they think is a waste. They probably know and what they don't like doing. And so with that sort of information, and that's taking a bit of my Lean Six Sigma background, like doing some analysis up front, you can quickly identify what a vision might look like. What do you need to remove from your organization? What do you need to improve in your organization? And once you've got that information, you can identify your quick wins. And I think that's really critical and key. If you've got employees that are burned out or unhappy or struggling to find meaning in their work, they're probably not going to be that inspired if you tell them we're on a two-year journey and you'll see some improvements at the end of that. They want to see something in three months or less. So giving them that, you know what, in three months, we're going to accomplish this and then following through and doing it, it's going to start unlocking a lot of enthusiasm from folks that might be at the verge or already at burnout. And, and I know this is maybe necessarily a question I we prepped on, but the so it sounds like really what you probably welcome from your customers is that, hey, bring us the ideas, bring us the problems and all the challenges and what you want to achieve. And we'll work out how to do that from a systems perspective. Is that right? Yeah, actually, absolutely that. Yeah, it'll be a system and, you know, process and people is always. But yeah, for them to have they, they know what their pain points are and what their challenges are. And if they don't, then, like I said, conversations, just talking to the right people and bringing their ideas forward. And it really does inspire people and, and gets them more engaged. It's sticking on that kind of mental health within SecOps and GRC. Are there any kind of real world or real success stories that you can share? You obviously don't need to share the customer, but any, any ones that, that, that sort of stick out to you? Yeah, I'm going to go rogue a little bit because my favorite, like I've been chasing a high from earlier in my career for the rest of my career. So I worked at one point in my career, I worked at a, a kind of smaller insurance company and my mandate was to form a process center of excellence. But it was a really interesting role in that I literally sat with employees and would watch what they did and find improvements. And it was, I looked smart but it wasn't me it was literally me talking to employees getting their ideas and packaging them up and selling them to their management and so the best example i have is i used to walk by the cafeteria and i would see two employees every month that would take over the cafeteria for a few days and they would have thousands and thousands of sheets of paper that they would be collating together and so when i actually dug into that process 
it turned out that they were, it was a business to business sort of thing where they had to invoice their customers in specific ways that their customers had asked for to be invoiced. So they were collating paper and mailing it out. And when we costed it out, it was like 30, 300,000, sorry, annually, the process cost the company wow. between the printouts and the people and yeah. And then we <laughs> print out, I know it's a little, it goes back a little ways, but, but when we actually dug into how we could solve it for them, it was a 25 K one time project cost where we had a contractor do some work on their mainframe and change the way the reports spit out. And we then moved that online and let our customers access the reports online. So that kind of was inspirational to me, not be, not really because I saved a company that much money, but because there were two employees that did that process and that was their full-time job and they were freed up to do something more interesting. So they were given different roles in the organization and, and they were pretty excited. And um, yeah, so I, I got to see that happen. That's amazing. That's amazing. And, and and it's interesting when people talk about, you know, be it AI or automation, it's, it's sometimes what's being taken away is negative or actually what's being taken away is positive. And I think that's a really strong message here is those people can focus on being more productive and more tasks that are better for them and the organization. Obviously, look, you've been in the industry a while. If you were to look into your crystal ball, where the SecOps GRC space is going in the next sort of maybe five years is even probably too far in the next two to five years, what would you see is should be on people's radar? Yeah, you just called me old, but in a nice way. So <laughs> <laughs> I've been in the industry a long time and I'm still 29. I don't know. There you go. Wow. So yeah, so I think that we'll talk both GRC and, and SecOps. So when you're talking GRC, which has mostly been rebranded now as integrated risk management, but when you're talking that that space, you're seeing, like I referenced above, regulatory requirements are, are continuing to grow and, and just the amount of work is continuing to grow. And I also already stole my thunder by mentioning earlier environmental environmental, social governance. It's really a critical space where I think to even get investment, companies need to be able to report against how they're doing in zero emissions and how they're doing on their diversity targets. And I think BlackRock, one of the largest sort of investment funds in the world, is has recently come out and said that they will only invest in companies that have zero emissions targets and can report against progress to those targets. So that's just a space that'll continue to grow. And I don't believe that most companies today are equipped to easily measure those things and report on how they're doing against those initiatives. So that's a big um, area of growth. And then on the security side, um, unfortunately, we'll continue to see massive data breaches. We see them every day. A lot of them are, unfortunately, again, due to completely preventable things, like we're not patching servers. So I recently read the Verizon report on on, on breaches, and they were saying that most, most of the unpatched servers or vulnerabilities that are being exploited have been around for a year. So we have to get better at the basics, I think. And then interestingly, ransomware as a service and phishing as a service are huge growth areas. So I find that really interesting. It's companies that are basically starting ransomware as a service um, businesses where they can sell pretty inexperienced folks kits where they can use them and exploit vulnerabilities with ransomware. And the same oh, as wow. fish. Yeah. And high growth businesses, like we're talking billion dollar market here. So that again is where we've got to equip ourselves. We've got to get things. Um, we've, we don't want to be easy targets. We want to make sure that we've optimized our processes so that we're not that easy target. 
Sounds like you're going to be busy. Andrew, look, this has been really insightful and, and, and thank you so much for being brave enough to bring this to the forefront of people's minds as well. I think, look, it's a different topic that we would usually host and I'm, I'm really happy we did it. Is there anything you'd like to add before we... No, thanks for, for the opportunity. And I think this is, for me, it's what how I avoid burnout is just finding that sense of meaning in what I do because I do think of the people. I, I don't think of it as we're just doing cost cutting or cost savings or efficiency. We're actually improving people's lives and it really aligns to ServiceNow, um, the tagline that they were using with we'll make the the world of work work better for people i think that's really important awesome andrew i think it's a great place to leave it thank you so much and um we'll chat again soon thank you thanks for listening to this episode of the oldest podcast if you enjoyed today's episode don't forget to subscribe rate and review we are available on apple podcasts spotify and any android podcast of choice You can also head over to our website, www.aldis.com to listen to more podcasts, view our open roles and stay up to date with industry news. Thanks for listening and stay tuned for more great episodes coming very soon.